Hi. Hey. I'm Julia. And I'm Amanda. And this is Much Needed Advice, a podcast for people who want to know what to do. Dear m I'm a transplant from Philadelphia to LA. I'm 28. I've been done with school for a few years now. Still, I don't feel like I have a passion. Passion is in quotes. Mm. Nothing has grabbed me or feels like a good fit. What do I do in a world where I'm occupying my time, but don't feel invigorated? Sam. Sam? Sam. Is Sam depressed? Sam might be depressed. It's a little hard to tell, but if you're feeling just really apathetic about everything and like you're kind of going through the motions, then it might be worth Googling what depression looks like or talking to your doctor and seeing if that's something that you might be dealing with, which is extremely common. But you could also be the victim of this really unfair societal pressure to find your passion, like as if everybody has one true passion in life and that's what they need to pursue as their career and do forever until they retire. And that's just not true. And it also sounds boring as fuck. What makes people interesting is the graveyard of all the things they've tried in life. Those anecdotes are always the things that are more fun to bring up on a date, for example, than being like, this is what I did at work today. For me, I have so many interests. People were telling me I need to just pick one thing and put all my eggs in that basket. And I couldn't. It was just... It felt debilitating and I really felt stuck. And then one day I woke up and just said, wait, (laughs) I don't have to pick one thing. I don't have to pick at all. I could just start doing things and start trying things. And, you know, it can be spread out and a little bit ADD because that's what works the best for me. And everybody that I admire, by the way, in a business sense is a multi-hyphenate who does many different things. So I like that in other people. I like that in myself, but it's a myth that you have to find one passion and choose it and choose it young. The thing about one passion, it puts a lot of pressure to find the perfect passion. And the reality is we're going to be passionate about many things to many different degrees at all times. And you have to foster all of those things so that you can kind of jump from one to the other throughout your life. One thing isn't going to make you happy forever. It's not meant to. Right. And you might have, I mean, some people do have, a passion, whether it's playing guitar or painting or something, but those things don't have to be your career. And oftentimes trying to make that into your career puts so much pressure on it that it ruins your love for it. Not Mm -hmm. all the time, but I think it's important to distinguish that things you're passionate about don't have to be your job. And it's certainly okay right now if what you're passionate about isn't your job or you think there's something out there that you could be happier doing. That's okay. You're 28. Yeah, there probably is. And you'll get to it eventually. And you're only going to get to it by continuing to work and explore and try things. And I think about this idea of just trying to take pressure off of finding one passion. It's about reframing from the word passion to the word curiosities, right? Yes. I love that. Reframing your passion into your curiosities. Because when someone says, okay, take a pen and paper out and write down your passions, that's such a big word and it's so loaded. 
And it's hard to know if something is your passion if you haven't even tried it yet. But you can write down things you're curious about. Have you always wanted to ride horses? Or do you have an interest in medieval history? Like, write down those curiosities. And we're not going to tell you to pick one. Find a way to try that thing, whether it's reading a book, whether it's volunteering or taking a class. Like, what's the easiest way into that curiosity to explore it? I think you do have to pick one and go. You have to start with one. You have to start with not one. not pick one from the list and that's your thing forever. Right. Yeah. That can make you not do anything at all if you feel like you only have one shot to pick <laughs> the thing that you're going to be good at and love. You just have to start working your way down the list and crossing things off as you go. In fact, if you don't like something, even better. You've still made progress. You can now cross it off. Also, don't be disappointed or be hard on yourself if you tried something and you end up not liking it. Like in college, I was an undecided major for the whole first year and I really had no idea where I wanted to go with my life. After taking some time away from school to think about what brought me joy, I realized that I was interested in politics and that my whole life I had envisioned myself being a lawyer. And I totally forgot about that while my head was down for so many years in school trying to just get into college. Mm -hmm. So I chose this major called philosophy, politics, and law, which was a pre-law major. And I thought, okay, two possible career paths are going into politics or becoming a lawyer. And I explored both, not only by taking classes, but also by doing internships, by getting jobs in both fields. And I started with politics and uh, decided it wasn't fun. I didn't like it. I didn't feel like I could be productive in that realm. It felt like a frustrating place to be working for the government. And then with law, I interviewed many lawyers. I had professors who were lawyers. I worked at a law firm. And spoiler alert, it's not glamorous like it seems on TV. Not everyone gets to be a Supreme Court justice or you know deal with the most interesting cases. It's a lot of memorization. It's a lot of reading boring stuff. And some people have a higher tolerance for that. And their why is bigger than kind of the arduous tasks that come along with that field. But for you, it wasn't worth it. And maybe it will be in the future. I don't know where this path is going to take me, but at least I had explored it and I felt confident enough to cross it off the list and move on to the next thing. What if he's curious about nothing? If he's curious about nothing, I have a hard time believing someone's curious about nothing. Unless they're very depressed or there's something else going on like that. Um, if curious is not a word that's working for you, you can ask yourself what brings you joy. There you go. Do you like a really good whiskey mm -hmm. or watching football with your friends on the weekend? Do you love riding your bike? Hanging out with your dog. That definitely brings me joy. <laughs> So now we've dispelled the myth that there is one passion out there waiting for you to find it, like capture the flag. <laughs> now we're going to talk about how to find more broadly what brings you joy. And I think it starts with identifying your various curiosities, right? Making that list that we talked about. 
There's also something called mind mapping that can help you put all of those in a visual display. Yeah. Elaine Welteroth has a great masterclass called Designing Your Career. And there's this exercise called mind mapping where you you draw a circle and that's yourself. You write your name in it. And then you draw lines out from that circle and draw more circles with the things that you want to try. Whether it's a career thing or maybe a more fun thing or maybe a fun thing that'll turn into a career thing. You don't have to label it. It's just things you're curious about. Do you want to go scuba diving? Do you want to explore what it might be like to be an educator? Just write down all of those things and then you can just choose one and start learning about it. Yeah. Google mind mapping too. There are a bunch of examples online of what it looks like if you want a little more guidance. And I think there are a few apps out there that even help you create it digitally. And that could be kind of fun just to help you get everything in your brain that you might not realize that bring you joy on onto paper. If this is feeling overwhelming to come up with all these things you want to try, which I get, maybe you don't have any interests that are just top of mind. We like to make a utility versus joy list. So there are things that all of us do that are already a part of our day, whether that's drinking coffee in the morning, exercising, cleaning, and for some cooking, eating, reading, reading. And for some people, these are utilities. And for some people, this brings them joy. And it's different for everybody. So for me, food brings me joy. For Amanda, it's a utility. Mm -hmm. And for Amanda, writing brings her joy. And for me, it's a utility. So if you write down, I think we have a little list. Yes, we made our own lists. Do it with us, gang. Yeah, let's all make our utility versus joy list. Post it on your social media and we'll reshare it. Yeah, tag us. Okay, Julia, what is in your utility column? In my utility column, exercise, writing, cleaning, and organizing are in my utilities. And what's in your joy column? Food, fashion, design, beverages, like making a really great coffee, making a really great cocktail, reading, and gardening. In my utility bucket is clothes and food. I'm like Steve Jobs when it comes to clothes, <laughs> unless I have a big budget. And then, but even then, I'd rather just like get it done. Like I'd spend the money in order to spend less time looking for something that looks good on me. You'd rather just have a stylist, right? A hundred percent. I'd rather outsource that. And our suggestion after you have your utility versus joy list is to outsource or stack habits regarding the utility list and then carve out time in your day for the joy list. So let's start with outsourcing or stacking habits. So outsourcing is pretty obvious to understand. It's what Julia does with cleaning. You think it's worth it to have someone come in, clean your home once a week, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas that's something I'm willing to do myself because I have fun <laughs> doing it. Right. And for me, I'm more likely to cook at home and have a smaller food budget to offset that 
then to, you know, order in. Yep. But then Julia, what is stacking habits? I love this term. We all have habits that we, that are already habits, right? Like brushing your teeth or getting ready for bed. And if you want to create a new habit, the easiest way to do it is to tie it to an existing habit. So if you want to read for 30 minutes every night, you can listen to an audiobook while you're doing your skincare routine at night. Or um, if you want to start meal prepping, you can meal prep while you're listening to a podcast that you listen to every Saturday morning or whatever it might be. Okay, so let's talk about maximizing your joy column. Are we Marie Kondoing? <laughs> Sorry to rip you off, Marie Kondo. Amanda and I both like beverages, coffee drinks, cocktails, that kind of thing. So in the morning, when we're making our morning coffee, how can we carve that out and make it kind of a ritual? And that's whatever that means to you. For me, I've been making a homemade version of the Starbucks brown sugar shaken espresso, which is really fun because it's got all these different steps and it's this whole process and it's very meditative and then it's delicious. What I've been really enjoying lately is just listening to a fiction audiobook for like 20 or 30 minutes in the morning while I drink my coffee. I just sprung for an espresso machine. Mm. So I'm thrilled to be able to try this. It's my first step towards being a Q grader. And see, this is kind of the point, like all of these little joys in life, here's the secret. They can turn into careers down the line or into businesses or who knows what. But the point is it's all starting with your joy. Yeah. It can turn into a lifelong passion or it doesn't have to turn into anything. No pressure. I read this article recently about joy, joy versus happiness, where happiness is seen as like kind of a longer term state of mind where joy is just found in fleeting moments. So you want to make space for those fleeting moments of joy. And all of these joyful activities can lead to a little bit bigger side hustle sometimes. And I will say, well, I hate that term. Side hustles have totally made my career and determined my whole career path. Journalism in college was a total side hustle. And that is totally the reason why I got my first consulting gig. I started writing articles for our college newspaper. It was on a bunch of random topics that I just felt like writing about. And then while I was working in Paris, I, again, it was not part of my job there. Totally for fun, I decided to write an article about a protest that was going on there at the time. And someone who was the wife of someone who worked at this consulting firm read that article and she happened to be French and recommended that I apply to the company that her husband worked at, looking for people with really good writing skills, as opposed to people who were just boring business majors. They wanted more of the liberal arts, creative, great writers, storytellers. Because that was something that you were interested in pursued, you had a portfolio of writing samples. Exactly. It's never a waste of time when you're trying something new. You're just getting information. Do you like that thing? Do you not like that thing? Or you now have a new skill or a new story to tell. Basically, my whole career has been being scrappy and kind of trying things on the go and in the moment. And that is why I know how to do so many different things. Side hustles also teach you that everything is possible and that things that sound hard aren't actually that hard. Like when I was in college, a friend and I started a t-shirt business where we just decided 
that we wanted to make money and felt like selling t-shirts to USC kids who were buying t-shirts left like and right. Crazy. <laughs> we, it was like, gotta catch them all. It was like every kid needed every teacher and wasn't using their own money to pay for it most of the time, probably. So all of the t-shirts were like 20 to $25. So a friend and I just used a graphic designer in the business school uh, who was studying graphic design, gave him a chance to practice, created the design for our t-shirts, then just Googled manufacturers who were local where we could actually like feel the products. At the time, Facebook was big, set up a Facebook group for the event that we wanted to sell t-shirts for, started amping people up for it, creating conversations, putting in pre-orders and just made it happen. So now when I hear someone say, I want to start a clothing business, but like that feels impossible. You You know know that it's not not that it's not that far away to reach for something like that. Yeah. And that comes back to, I think we talked about it on a previous episode, that phrase, never be the one to say no to yourself. Just go for things. Try not to overthink them. Yeah. And it's easier when it's not your job where you're relying on the money. Totally. So the beauty of this item, making these things low stakes. Yeah. And then I would say this prepares you for opportunities to grow in any job. Definitely. And because I've been (laughs) been known to start up so many different projects, like I had a candle company that was like a social enterprise because of the world we live in. I had to figure out how to build websites for all those things. So now I know how to build websites and now people pay me to build their websites, which is a skill I just picked up out of necessity because I wanted to do something fun on the side. Yes. For your career, I know it might sound easy if you just knew what you like to do, decided what job you wanted to have and just followed through with that plan. But you have to know that your career is going to take a very winding path if you're lucky. And so make a plan Definitely stay active, keep trying things, keep crossing things off the list, but feel comfortable if your career takes a very winding route and if it's not totally predictable. That wouldn't be fun anyway. So now, Amanda, what if you get to a point in your life where you're doing what you love and it's something that you're good at, you're living in your purpose, but after a couple of years of doing that, You feel like you're going through the motions. The job is the driving force instead of you being the driving force. And it's just feeling emptier. And you don't feel that same invigoration and excitement you did in the beginning where you felt like you were adding value and making a difference and like really aligned. How did you read my mind like that, Julia? (laughs) I don't know. I just, you know, I felt it. We just have one brain now. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with my life right now. And, you know, I'm a couple years into a job that feels perfect for me, totally aligned with my purpose, skills, and what brings me joy. But I still feel right now, like I'm not adding as much value as I want to be. Like I feel, I feel drained of what I have to give from my heart and my brain and my soul. And that's a sign to take a step back and nurture myself. So I have something to give again. When you're, you're really passionate about something, you can kind of get tunnel vision and work really hard at it and keep your head down and spend all of your time on it. But when you're not 
carving out time for other things that bring you joy and other experiences. And especially with COVID going on, which has limited all of our experiences in life in general, that kind of makes you a less interesting person, not only in your personal life, but at work. So, you know, you're not necessarily the one bringing new ideas to the table anymore. I feel like we forget how important it is to be inspired. Yeah. And inspiration comes from things that, that bring you joy. Like you might not be inspired by a business book, the same as you're inspired by a fiction book with some great character and just being inspired generally makes you more creative, makes you able to come up with better ideas. I think when you're, you can't pour from an empty cup, right? For me, cause I, I work in a creative field and I have to come up with a lot of ideas. It's really important for me to take space away from work and just get inspired. Like I said, by things in the world, just art or just in something beautiful or just in something entertaining. And you have to keep interacting with the world too. You can't be isolated and be inspired. It's kind of like when a comedian says once they become successful or, or if they're only focusing on their stand-up routine and they're not going out and having crazy experiences and getting wild and meeting up with friends and trying crazy things and keeping up their hobbies, their stand-up gets really boring. They don't have anything to talk about anymore. Right. <laughs> like you have to be out there obs- actually observing the world in real time and living. the way the world currently is and interacting with it in order to have something to say about it. So to wrap up, number one, consider if your apathy or lack of motivation may be a sign of depression and talk to a therapist. Either way, you can learn a lot from that conversation. Number two, we are myth busting the idea that there is one passion out there or that you need to find one passion or that your career needs to be your passion. Remain a multi-passionate. Reframe from passion to multiple curiosities to take the pressure off. Number three, find what brings you joy by identifying those curiosities, making a mind map, making a utility versus joy list, outsourcing the things that are utilities or stacking habits, and then carving out the time for things that bring you joy. Then explore those side hustles. Let them guide your career and let them make you prepared for all the opportunities that could be open to you because of them. And lastly, if you feel like you've kind of lost that feeling of excitement, even if your job is aligned with your purpose, it's okay. That's going to happen every couple of years. It means you're growing. And what you need to do is just take a step back and nurture yourself and fill up when you're feeling depleted. It's time for our Rex of the Week. (laughs) Rex of the Week, everybody. This is where we tell you products and things that we love. That we've been using recently, that we're obsessed with, and why. Hit it. My product of the week this week is the Elta MD UV Clear Broad Spectrum SPF. 
also known as my face sunscreen. (laughs) It's a long name. It's SPF 46. So you get some good protection. This one is formulated especially for people with sensitive or acne prone skin, which I have. It's um, oil free, fragrance free. I personally can't stand when face things have a fragrance. It drives me nuts. Especially sunscreen, which usually has a really strong sunscreen scent. And it's like right around your nose. You just smell it all day. (laughs) So it has a really nice finish. Um, It looks great under makeup. And it's got some great skincare ingredients in it that make it good for your skin in addition to protecting you from the sun. It's $37, which feels a little expensive. But I've had mine for a long time and I use it every day and it's still going strong. Where can you find it? You can find it on dermstore.com, which has which is where I get a lot of great skincare and other places on the internet if you just Google it. Elta MD is the brand. Perfect. And this is the clear, UV clear. They have a couple different ones, but UV clear is the one for sensitive skin. My wreck of the week is Cube Timer, also known as Cube. Cube. We have referenced Cube on the podcast before because it helps keep Julie and I on track when we're answering questions and we tend to go down rabbit holes and go on tangents to try to squeeze as much juice out of our recommendations as possible. But we use Timer Cube all the time. It's great for people with ADHD because it's basically a toy that makes time management fun. It is a plastic cube that you can get on Amazon for $13.99 in any color you want. They have a bunch of options. It can go with your decor in your home. You can have it on your desk for work. And it has different periods of time on each side of the cube. And all you have to do is flip the cube to that period of time and it starts counting down for you. Some of the things that I like about it is that the physical act of moving the block is what sets the timer, which is a lot more fun than like opening up your phone and just typing in a time or setting an alarm, which only reminds me of mornings, which isn't fun. (laughs) Um, It requires you to set an intention with a task you're working on. So it makes me like hurry up and move toward completing the task instead of what my brain usually wants to do, which is meander around, enjoy the task, see something else that looks interesting, start doing that instead. Like it really keeps that intention top of mind without this obnoxious timer that's counting down in front of you or without you needing to look at your phone. I love that. I love that too. I love that you don't see this huge countdown clock or it's not like a kitchen timer where you can see it ticking down because I can, I tend to get distracted by like watching a timer countdown. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Great hack. It's like you get to outsource the responsibility of meeting a deadline, which we love. (laughs) Definitely love. Great. Great rec. So that's what we think you should do. What do you think? Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Do you need advice? DM us on Instagram at much.needed.advice or email us at muchneededadvicepod at gmail.com. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I do become one voice. <laughs>